0: What's going on, everybody? We're back. The Sooners Illustrated Podcast, Episode 7, Siete, on this Tuesday, August 8th, 2023. Josh Calloway, Tom Green, James Jackson. We'll catch up with Colin Kennedy a little later in the week. Things are moving all over the place. We record a day late here than what we've been doing on Mondays because we had open practice and interviews yesterday. Colin's traveling around. Um it's kind of getting to be that time. It's busy times. So we're having to kind of shift things around a little bit as we uh, as we figure this thing out a little bit.
1: Yeah, definitely. But appreciate everybody that's subscribed to, to the podcast so far, man. We're, we're growing pretty fast. Got to thank yeah. the Sunder fans for that. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, Seems we're getting good feedback,
2: too. Glad you guys are all enjoying our uh, our babbling for hours <laughs> at a time. But, uh <laughs> Now we're, we're doing what we can to keep you guys in the loop and keep you up to date with everything that's going on now that fall camp's full swing.
0: Yeah, good times. Yeah, we've gotten into fall camp, and it's been great to see uh, the YouTube channel get up and over 1,000 subscribers. It's actually blowing right by 1,000 now. Um, the, the practice videos have been doing really well, and um, yeah, the podcasts have been doing pretty well. So majorly appreciate everybody. And again, subscribe, completely free, to subscribe to the YouTube, so do it. And uh, you'll get to see all the player interviews and uh, yeah, practice footage that we're allowed to get out there. And then once the season starts, press conferences, game highlights, stuff like that are all going to be on there as well. So um, it's a good thing. If you're a fan, it's a good thing. It's free. And then, yeah, also, if you're a listener of the show, instead of a viewer on YouTube, leave a rating on Apple or whatever you watch on. Leave a review. That stuff's extremely helpful as well. Um, we're off to a great start on that stuff. So uh appreciate everybody. Yeah, five stars. I think... Last I checked, it was like we've had seven ratings and they're all five stars. So low number on the ratings, but they're all five. So do the trade-off. Do the (laughs) trade-off. So so far, so good, though. So as we get back to it here, um, fall camp is in Philadelphia. Last time we talked to everybody, last time we did a show, last Thursday, we had yet to see the team with our own eyeballs. That was the first day of practice uh, that day, which was not open to media. Since then, Friday's practice was open to media. And then yesterday's practice – which was their fourth practice, also was open. So we've gotten to see the team for uh, a couple practices now with our own two two eyeballs. Impressions. I mean, it, you can take it any way you like. A guy who looks to be in great shape or a position that looks thin, a position that looks deep, whatever. What do you guys think? What's some things that in the couple practices we've been at
2: has stood out to you uh, here in the early part of fall camp? Yeah, I think one of the things that's evident, you know, right when you get out there is just, the size of that defensive line now mm. uh, compared to a year ago, you know, they got four guys that are above 300 pounds, two more, that are just a pound or two below that on the official roster. So, you know, they're probably floating around that, around that range too. Yeah. Um, and, and, and just looking at how they've kind of restocked that position. Um, you know, I, I spent a lot of time yesterday watching that group and yeah, they were rotating four or five deep, um, through the drills. And I know, you know, they have the numbers to do that right now. It's just about finding the guys that they feel they can rely on when the games actually start being played. But just looking at them, yeah, you know, they're passing the eyeball test right now in terms of how they look at that position compared to a year ago.
1: I like where the running backs are right now, basically on how they look as well. Like those guys look really, really big for running backs, man. They're like those are some good nice sized guys that got that are you know, they were plowing through this drill yesterday and it was just like Man, they they got some size on them. They they can quick. They're moving around. They look really good so far. I like what Demarco Murray's done with that group.
2: Yeah, and on that on that note, I, I we spoke to Javante Barnes yesterday, and I was just really impressed with him all around. You know, just the way he handled it. Um, you know, because he was like the last guy to talk to us, so pretty much everybody was circled around him. And mm-hmm. yeah, you know, he was he was a good interview. You know. Sounds like he's taking a really good approach to the season. He understands the opportunity that's in front of him now that Eric Gray is gone, but also is really supportive of those other guys in the room. I mean, he, he was talking about how, you know, when he missed time in the spring because of that foot injury um, or, you know, getting that foot injury addressed, um, you know, it wasn't too hard for him because he liked seeing his his boys eat. You know, he likes seeing Gavin Sawchuck yeah. get his chance. He likes seeing Marcus Major do his thing. Um, and, you know, I think that they understand that, You know, they're going to find strength in numbers in that position. And, you know, just with the wear and tear that running backs go through nowadays, you know, it's important to have multiple guys that you can count on. And I think they all kind of understand that right now. Yeah,
0: I completely agree with the defensive line, um, the size of the guys, and the number of guys when they're just running through the things. And you can kind of feel like that's a lot of – there's a lot of options there. Then Javante Barnes, I made this joke yesterday uh, on Twitter, but he's moving into – Madden create-a-player territory with how jacked he is and his speed moving around the field. He, he if anyone, if I had to pick one individual guy that's looked like to be in incredible shape, that's probably the pick for me. Uh, he looks fantastic uh, out there. Um, any other in particular guys? Obviously, we talked about a couple positions that we like. I agree completely. Defensive line, especially that interior. We've talked about the defensive ends. Very deep, but that interior has looked really nice so far. In a little bit, we got to see, I agree completely with James. Running backs on a whole, Javante Barnes in particular, but Marcus Major looks really darn good, uh, as well. But any other guys that you're like, dang, he, he looks to be in great shape, and I'm, I'm interested to see what he looks like when the games uh, get going.
2: Yeah, I, I think you know, we, we've heard a lot about Jaquess way, but I mean, he he's a dude that looks the part, he does not look like a freshman, he looks like you know, he's ready to be a you know, power five, wide receiver. Um, You know, there's been a couple other guys that have looked really impressed in that group. Jalil Farouk has has looked nice. Um, And Austin Stogner, Um, they just seem so grateful to have him back, especially after, you know, Braden Willis's departure. Um, You know, having a guy who's, you know, familiar with the school, so it's an easier transition for him. But, you know, we've heard a lot about him and just his playmaking ability through these first few practices. I know Brent Venables uh, kind of sing- singled him out for some catches he made those first couple days. Um, you know, Jeff Lebby was really high on him yesterday. And, you know, just talking about how good it is to have a reliable veteran like him to kind of lead that group because, you know, it's a position where they have, you know, questionable depth behind him. So I, I think they're very grateful uh, for how he's coming along in his second tour of duty here.
1: As we looked at practice, I kinda I'm 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 so happy that I gave the quarterback room what I gave them so far, because they looked really, really good so far. Just as a unit, the guys are the like the guys are looking pretty good. Even like you know Jackson Arnold and, and and Dylan Gabriel, we always talk about, but Davis Bell will look. I mean, he's like I mean, he's towering over there, the quarterbacks too, by the way. Like that guy is really, really tall. And he they all have pretty good spirals, pretty good balls going down the down the field. So really excited about that group as well.
2: Yeah. And when we were out there on Friday, um, you know, I spent some time watching the linebackers and I was just impressed with kind of how Justin Harrington was kind of taking on a vocal leadership role with that group during individual drills. Um, I know he's competing for time at that of position, you know, where they got guys like Dasan McCullough working there. They got Reggie Pearson and Peyton Bowen getting some reps there too. Um, so for a guy who, you know, he's obviously been around, um, especially compared to those other guys competing for that spot, but is still, you know, doesn't necessarily have a starting job locked down. Um, I think it says a lot about his maturity to, you know, still be a vocal leader in that room when he may or may not start. We'll see.
0: Yeah, I agree completely uh, with everybody you guys mentioned. Justin Harrington long has kind of been looked at as like a really good – he always stands out in practice. He he just Mm – does. he's one of those guys, he crushes practice every – he's always – every fall camp, every spring camp, it's always like Justin Harrington looks great. That's nothing new. And he is a solid, very solid player. And the potential to play a lot of snaps, frankly, at that cheetah spot. As you saw, McCullough is still raw and brand new. And something we kind of forget with McCullough, who looks fantastic as well. But something we kind of forget about him is that you know, he's been transferred in and everybody's really excited about him, and rightfully so. I mean, he's got all the tools to be a, a phenomenal player. He's This is his second year. He was a freshman last year. Like, he's not some veteran guy that they had. He's played one year of college football at Indiana. So maybe give him a little, little more leash than – than uh, you're tempted to, in generally speaking. Um, I agree with James on the quarterbacks. Jackson Arnold looks fantastic. Um, That was something that impressed me back in the spring, seeing this team, similar things, like, you know, open practice every week or so. It seemed like every single practice, Arnold got better looking and better looking and better looking. And uh, even, you know, just yesterday we're out there, he looked as sharp as I've seen him. I mean, those out routes, those deep ones in the corner, everything is right where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and for what it's worth, Dylan Gabriel's looked great too, in my opinion, in these practices. I thought he's looked really, really sharp. So both guys look solid. Um, Dylan Gabriel's going to start. There's not exactly a battle there, but it's nice to, if you're an OU fan to, to hear probably that. I think both guys have looked really, really sharp. In uh, what we've got to see. I'm not really seeing a lot of bulls. We're not seeing def- rushers attacking these dudes or anything like that. But in what we've gotten to see, uh, it, it's looked nice. So – um, so, yeah, we've had a couple open practices. We should have at least a couple more. Uh, no more this week, but we should have a couple more. Um, anything else from from
2: practices before we move over to the interview side of it? I yeah, think- I mean, th- there were a few things. These weren't things that necessarily impressed me, but just things that I kind of made note of. Um, you know, yesterday I saw Jacob Lacey back out there working with the defensive tackles. He was wearing a blue vest, so he's limited, but it's good to see him, you know, out there and, you know, getting some reps in after going through the blood clot blood caught uh, scare uh this summer. Um, you know, we'll we'll talk about this more when we get to the offensive line breakdown, but Savion Bird seems to be getting all the reps with the first team uh at left guard while we've been out there at least. I know they're they're Still rotating some guys in there, but he's been the guy that's out there with the first group at the starter practice each time. Um, and yeah, d- just looking at their options in uh, on special teams with the punt return, um, you know, first day out there, we saw seven different guys fielding punts, um, Peyton Bowen, Gavin Freeman, Drake Stoops, uh, Billy Bowman, Andre Anthony, LV Bunkley, Shelton, and DJ Graham. So that. They- I'm really curious to see just how that plays out over the next month because, you know, again, you know, special teams is often overlooked, but, you know, that can really, you know, flip the field if they get the right guy back there.
1: It seems like these players, when we talk to them a lot, they they kind of talk a lot about their teammates, which I think is a good sign that, you know, this team is becoming a cohesive unit. We talked to guys like Jalil Farouk and he talked about, you know, Drake Stoops, Gavin Freeman, guys like that. We talked to, uh, uh, Walter Rouse, he talked about Andrew Rame, try- trying to just get him acclimated to the new system. We talked to Jared Canick, and he's, he was talking about uh, Danny Stutman. So, I mean, there's there's these guys are really talking about the other players, and they're giving in-depth answers when we ask about the other players on the, on the team and the other guys in their units, and that, I think that's a pretty good sign uh, going forward.
0: Yep, g- agree completely. Um, it's been two practices, but everything looks good. Guys look bigger, generally speaking, um, like we've, we've highlighted, you know, a handful of guys here that have looked uh, especially inked to be in good shape and bigger, faster, stronger, that sort of thing, which is Oklahoma has been a big priority of the offseason, just kind of improving physicality and, and everywhere. Right. I mean, you go six to seven, you kind of want to improve everything. And so far, I mean, it's been it, again, it's two practices. You try to you try to reel yourself in from overacting anything, but looks good. I think the team looks sharp. Every position. Even the ones we were concerned about have looked better than I thought they would. Like we said with the tackle room, tight end room is concerning. We'll break down that position uh, probably next week. I'm, I think sometime that position is is concerning, but we'll get there. But like you said, Tom, Austin Stogner, they are very fortunate to have him back. We'll see what he can do out there. And a couple other guys who have been kind of surprised, surprises kind of rising up that depth chart a little bit at that tight end spot. So we've been in practice a couple of times. Uh, like we said, we've also got a chance to talk to uh, a bunch of guys. Obviously, we had Media Day, which we recapped last week, where we talked to a million people. Since then, we talked to Brett Venables again on Friday for about it like 15, 20 minutes or so. Then, yesterday, we got to talk to Jeff Levy, offensive coordinator, and we talked to like six or seven or so players. Some of those you can uh, watch uh, on the YouTube channel. I think like, I got three or four players plus Levy uh, on there as well. Brett Venables on Friday is there. What stuck out from those guys from what we've gotten to hear from uh, either going back to Brent on Friday or lebian players yesterday? Anything in particular that uh, stood out to you guys there?
1: James. Oh, you're going okay. Uh, let's make sure <laughs> you hey make sure I'm trying to give you a chance now. Yeah, yeah, I like I like what Brent Venables said, you know, after the first practice, some well, the first practice that we saw, but some things, you know, trying to figure some things out, obviously trying to get that acclimated. He said there's gonna be guys getting less reps than they're used to, but that's just because it's added depth to this team this season. And, and Walter Rouse talked about that yesterday as well. You know, you, you're getting less reps, but you have to take each one like it's the last rep you're going to do. You got to really put importance into that. When he th- And he thinks that will help them like when they get in sticky situations during the season, taking those big third down, fourth down reps just like they do in practice, it'll come natural to them. And I think that's a big difference from what is was from last year. Obviously, the depth has been a big, talking point for a very long time now since the second year started but that, that that's where we're at right now
2: yeah and that was kind of the big thing with Jeff Levy yesterday too it's like you know we've heard the word com- the term competitive depth mm. so many times yeah um you know even even since you know James and I kind of started covering this team we, we've we've probably heard it you know hundreds of times already at this point um but Jeff Levy said you know just walking out on the field like it's noticeable how much bigger this team is than last year. How many more bodies that they have that they think that they can count on, and you know that's that just seems to be you know across all positions. Sure, they still have some questions like at tight end and you know kind of that second line on the offensive line, but they feel really good about you know just the quality depth they have. Obviously, at quarterback, at wide receiver, at running back, certainly, um, and that's just on the offensive side, defensive side. Um, you know, we, we've talked about how they've kind of restocked the unit there, especially along that defense uh, defensive line and in that front seven. So, yeah, um, yeah, again, j- just the quality depth um, has been pretty evident. You know, from the little that we've seen so far.
0: Yeah, you know, for me, you know, yesterday getting talked talk to Jaleel Farouk a little bit, it, it's he's the kind of the guy right in that in that room, and uh, it was interesting to hear him kind of like going back to what James was talking about with talking about your other teammates and having great things to say. And he was like, people just going down the list of all those guys in that receiver room of guys. And he was just had nothing but great things to say, but especially we talked about it. West Petaway. So it got to me because you could tell, you can tell other guy, other players know when a guy, you know, is going to be something and uh, Petaway continues to get rave reviews for who got some nice things to say about him on YouTube and also Drake Stoops. I asked him Drake Stoops because just, now, we've heard nothing but, you know, from last season through the spring through this offseason that Drake Stoops is essentially a coach on the team. And that's how Jill Farouk phrased it yesterday, saying he holds everybody accountable. He's the most consistent guy You know what you're getting every single day. Um, and so it's just nothing we didn't already know about Drake Stoops. But to hear another guy, somebody who is his peer, Julia Farouk, who's been on the team multiple seasons now, right at the top of that receiver core, kind of speak that way about him, not like some young guy or a coach, but another guy who's older be like, yeah, he's he's a big help to even me. It, it, it just goes to show what Drake Shoops has become uh, for this team and this program. He's going to be, even more than what he's doing on the field, he's going to be missed after he's gone, after this, this is his last season. Mm-hmm. Um, just from that standpoint, they're going to need somebody to step up in a leadership spot whenever he goes because he's – it sounds like to me he's got a, a captain spot pretty much locked down in stone essentially, based off what we've heard. So that was interesting to hear uh, that from Farouk a little bit as well. Um, so other players we got, let's see, I didn't get to catch all of them. We heard a little bit of Jaron Kanick, who seems like he's coming along more and more more. He's looked really, he's other guys who look really good at practice uh, so far. Sal McCullough. Um, we also got Walter Rouse, who talked about his health. Uh, so he missed essentially the entire spring. Sounds like he's in a good spot there, like uh, Tom mentioned we got Pretty much what looks to be the starting offensive line, at least for now. We're going to break down the offensive line in full in just a just a minute. But uh, anything else from from the players before we uh, shift over to our offensive line breakdown?
2: Um, I, I guess just going back to Justin Arrington. I mean, he he talked a lot about how he studied a lot of Isaiah Simmons um, yeah. this offseason Uh as he's kind of getting used to playing more of that cheetah position. Obviously, Isaiah Simmons is kind of the poster boy for that position in Brent Venable's uh, defensive scheme. You know, he's a first-round pick. He was ACC Defensive Player of the Year. I think he won the Benaric Trophy, too, that year at Clemson. Um, so, I mean, he, he's trying to study his film, kind of pick up on him, get a little bit more comfortable in that position because, you know, they're, they're going to need him there um, with Deshaun White gone.
1: Yeah, I like, I like what Jalil Farouk is at mentally in, in terms of trying to take over that wide receiver one spot. Uh, it seemed like he pretty much understands that's his – to lose at this point. You know, Emma Jones talked about him, you know, interviewing, interviewing for that position each and every rep, each and every day, which is obviously just a metaphor for how he plays and actually how he speaks to us during the interviews. But uh like where he's at right now, he seems like a guy that understands his role and understands what he, what he has to be for this Sooners offense to be explosive the way that, you know, we've seen over the last couple of years. So mm. that, I like where he's at right now.
0: 100%. 100%. So, yeah, we, we, uh... Keep on rolling through fall camp here. We're actually recording this show a little early uh, today on Tuesday. Day late, but early in the day on Tuesday because we're going back to Norman this afternoon for more player interviews. So it's it's that time of year, keeping the things rolling. So uh, we'll have more for you in due time. Uh, We'll get back out of practice, I'm sure, early part of next week as well. So uh, continue to learn more about this team. It's going to be week one before you know it, already August 8th today. So – the Sooners Illustrated Podcast we will be back after this short break. Moving over to our position breakdown. We've been doing this every show. If you haven't been with us, go back, check them out, catch up to this point. We've been taking one position each episode, breaking it down, the names to know, standouts, depth, concerns, you know, how strong the position is, and we close it out with a rating 1 to 10 and how good we feel that position is going to be for Oklahoma in 2023. We've done four positions already, so we're moving right through at the halfway point today. We're going to do offensive line. So we've mentioned a couple times here, uh, kind of in passing in this show. It looks like Savion Burr is going to be that other guard spot opposite McCade Matoyer. So that first team, if you will, O-line, Walter Rouse, Tyler Guyton, the tackles with Andrew Rame, your center. That's two starters back from last year, Rame and Metaulier. Also Guyton and Rouse would be taking over for Anton Harrison and Wanya Morris. And then Chris Murray would be getting replaced in this scenario by Savion Burr. What do we think? General thoughts about the offensive line. Obviously, Bill Biedenboe has gotten a rep and rightfully so as being kind of the offensive line coach in the country when it comes to putting guys in the NFL. Sooners have got uh, a laundry list of dudes who are getting paid right now at the next level up front after being coached by Bill Biedenboe. Guys talk about that every time. Ultra, I talk about that, you know, back in the spring saying, I mean, I got one year cultural ball left. I want to get to the NFL. Bill Biedenboe is kind of the guy to do that for me. Um, General thoughts on this group and what this group could be. It's a, it's, it's interesting one. It's kind of volatile. It could be really good. Could be maybe even a weakness if things don't go right. What do we think about this group?
2: Yeah, I, I, I think those two tackle spots they should feel really good about. Uh, yeah, I agree. You know, bringing in Walter Rouse, having him healthy now after he missed the spring, kind of recovering from that shoulder injury. Um, he seems to be doing really well now. James had a story about him up on the site last night, so check that out. Um, and Tyler Guyton stepping into that role at right tackle, I think they feel good there too. Um, I think the bigger questions are on the interior of the line. Um, obviously moving McCade Mattelier over to the right side. That's where he played when he was at Cal. So he's got plenty of experience there. And, uh, you know, he, he's been good in pass protection. So having him on Dylan Gabriel's uh, blind side should help. Uh, hopefully limit some some of those sacks that he took last year. Um, you know, but you know, he's a guy that hasn't been great in run blocking, so we'll see what kind of progress he's made there from last year to now. Um, and then you know, Andrew Rainback for another year starting at center, you would think that he's gonna keep improving there. And then again, Savion Bird's been that guy that we've seen out there with that first team, but mm. you know. Troy Everett's a guy that Jeff Levy had some good things to say about yesterday. You know, Appalachian State transfer who arrived in the summer. He's moving around to a few different spots. They like his flexibility. You know, he he's seeing some time at center there behind Andrew Rain because they have a big question about who's going to be that backup guy, whether it's him or whether it's a Joshua Bates or a Nate Anderson. Um, but, you know, Really just interested to see kind of how that interior of the line really shakes out and whether it's going to be Savion Bird emerging at that left guard spot or whether Troy Everett can push him in these next few weeks as he gets a little bit more comfortable.
1: I like, you know, what we talked about with Bill Beatonbo being a very, you know, developing type of of coach. You see that all the time and kind of got to see a little bit of that in practice for the the small chance we got to see of him. And he was really just egging on to the guys about this, this small step that they were making it was like, don't 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 drop your foot. Step, you know. It's like that little bit, little bit yeah. of difference can make a you know a big difference in a play. And it's just like you see how how he's done such a great job with these guys. And I think that's why guys like you know is coming over to OU and, and finishing out his career here and trying to be that guy for OU because this offensive line, I'm not sure entirely just yet on where they could be and where they are right now because there's so many question marks in terms of how would they be a cohesive unit, not necessarily the players that are going to be out there on the field. And I think that's the biggest difference. Now we talked about is four guys that we know are going to start and the left guard position, the one that we're not entirely sure. Although speaking with, uh, with Walter yesterday, it sounds like bird is the guy that is going to get that, that get that spot. They've, they found a, you know, a, a touch with each other trying to figure out where to do on the on that left side of the line. So mm just trying to see where they are right now. That's the biggest question mark, I think. And that's going to affect the score a little bit, not necessarily entirely sure where they are. And I think that's that's the point.
0: Yeah, I agree with Tom's assessment that the the tackles here are really, really solid, at least on Mm -hmm. paper. I mean, I I feel like Tyler Guyton and Walter Rouse, both, and I'm not saying that both are going to get to this point, but I think both guys have all Big 12 and maybe back end of the first round, Potential. I mean, they do, especially Tyler Guyton, because he's his size and everything that comes with that. I mean, it, it, we've gotten to see that a little bit. He played a little bit last year, made a few starts. And Walter Rouse obviously was fantastic at Stanford, and he's an incredibly smart guy. Obviously he went to Stanford. He was a finalist for the William Campbell Trophy, which is the academic Heisman. Like he's a really smart dude. And both those guys are imposing, and I love the tackles uh, on this on this whole line, which that's those are the key spots, right? I mean, and especially it's going to be you know with. Tyler Guyton being over there, Dylan Gabriel is a lefty, obviously. So Guyton's kind of actually protecting his blind side. But if Arnold gets in there, it'll flip. So having strength on both sides is huge for Oklahoma. Interior-wise, the guards, they got to prove it. They got to prove it. McKay McToyer, you know, we talked about this last week a little bit when, you know, Jeff Levy kind of just proclaimed that he was going to be a starter. You know, not again, I would have picked McKay McToyer to be the starter if I had to pick somebody, and just guess but he didn't have the season last year that really justified to most people just being day one at fall camp. No, he's he started. He was a starter last year. Like he didn't have he didn't have a great season. He just didn't. So, you know, he's got to prove it a little bit. He's got to prove it. The other guard spot got to prove it. Savion Bird has been a guy we've heard a lot about for a long time. He got to play in that cheesy bowl. He plays with a passion and energy that's awesome. Um, got to reel it in a little bit. Came getting personal fouls and stuff like that. But he. He's a fired-up dude. He gets after people. Uh, he was mauling people in that Florida State game in Orlando last December. And then Andrew Rame is another guy who, you know, kind of similar. I mean, a great start to his career, a little so-so. There's been some questions about, you know, his maturity at times, things like that. Certainly could be really, really good. But also, like, you, it wouldn't shock me if you saw that, you know, his year kind of get away from him and he gets replaced at some point. That's why they brought Troy Everett in to be another center option. So – there's a lot of volatility here. This is uh, probably the hardest group to score so far and maybe mm-hmm. will be the hardest, period. Because like I said, I love the tackles. Guards are a little, you know, so-so. We'll, we'll have to see. And then the center could be really, could be a strength or could be a weakness, kind of depending on how things go. So with all that combined, it's hard to uh, get a good
2: feel on it. Yeah, I'm really curious to see just how things kind of play out with two of those transfers. Obviously, we talked about Troy Everett. Caleb Schaefer's a guy we haven't really patient, touched on yeah. today. But, you know, he's a guy that can, you know, if Metallier is not making that, you know, next step at right guard, can he be a guy that pushes him for that spot? Um, he's, he's got experience playing uh, both those guard spots, I think. Um, and you don't bring in someone who started 31, 32 games, however many games it was he started in Miami, Ohio, with the expectation that he's not going to contribute in some way. Um, mm-hmm. Whether he can get a starting job remains to be seen. But, you know, I do think, obviously, offensive line is a position where, you know, you need a little bit more depth than you do at some other positions just because if one of those guys goes down, I mean, it could, it could wreck your whole season. If you, I if mean, you injuries would, happen. These, yeah. these are big dudes,
0: you know. That it, they it, roll yeah. up
2: on, it, it happens. It happens exactly, every season. exactly. Yeah, so kind of curious to see where those – you know, two transfers kind of slot in there and whether they can push for those starting jobs. But like we said, you know, it seems like Savion Bird is kind of the favorite to be that starting left guard. And Troy Everett, kind of that utility sixth guy right now um, who can play a few spots uh, along the line. And then, you know, can't forget to the two Jakes,
0: uh, both in their second year, Jake Taylor and then Jacob Sexton. Jacob Sexton, was, uh, named a starter for the Cheez-It Bowl last year. When I, when Wanya Morrison and Anton Harrison, uh, Wanya Morris, excuse me, both opted out of that game, your two tackles were Tyler Guyton and Jacob Sexton. But Jacob Sexton tore his ACL, uh, on that fateful day. He actually tore, we found out, in warm-ups mm-hmm. and tried to play through it. You can't play through a torn ACL. So sure. he, that didn't last for long. Um, but it shows how insanely tough he is, um, where do those guys fit? I mean, we know Sexton's not 100% yet, but Brent Venable said he should be good, you know, pretty much a full go by the mid to late part of September. Does he factor in? I got to imagine he's one of the first guys on deck at one of those tackle spots if Guyton or Rouse go down. So there's there's some depth here. There's some options. Um, it's kind of similar to kind of the wide receivers in a weird way of like, there's there's a lot of guys who could do it, but no, not a lot that have proven themselves. Um, so... Be an interesting group. Uh, these ratings could be all over the place. Let's go, James. You're up first. You've been oh, just uh,
1: just in. real quick to talk about Jacob Sexton because I covered yeah, him sure. in high school when he was at Deer Creek, and mm-hmm. kind of a guy that at the last minute, you know, in just right at the playoffs time to go play defensive tackle as well for the Deer Creek Antlers and took that team that nobody thought was going to be a great team, took them all the way to the, the state championship game, you know. So that was like a yeah, you can see what kind of team player he is. And you kind of want to see him get that opportunity with the Sooners right now. So coming off that injury, that was disappointing to hear last year when he got hurt. And he's out there now. So that's that's a good sign for for OU so far. Getting to see him out there and and actually be physical a little bit, not entirely, you know, off off limits, just a guy just working on him by himself. He's actually in in there with the unit sometimes. So that's good to see uh in terms of his development in terms of his recovering from that injury.
2: So what's your grade? What's the grade? Let's
1: go. <laughs> now this is like we said. This is the hardest group to pretty much gauge at this point because you can't really just go off. Of, oh, they got you know this guy, this guy, and this guy, and you can flip one guy in there. You got to go off of the entire unit as a whole. So right now, if I had to give it one, I'm going to go 7.2, and I say that with an infliction on purpose. Oh, it's, it's on purpose because this this is a group that can obviously get very high on the list and you can go down from here. This is the one of those groups I'm not entirely sure which way it'll go, but I'll give it a 7.2 at this point just to see. Let's put them right there in the middle. This is about a C average uh offensive line unit, you know, C in terms of grade school stuff. So, let's see where they are from there. Josh.
0: Um yeah, I I I don't disagree with James assessment there. I was going to go 7.75. Uh, Mm -hmm. seven and three quarter um, for (laughs) the line. You know, like I said, you know, I love the tackles. I really do. I think both guys, you know, if you're making, you know, when we do the last show before the season starts, we might try to do some bowl predictions. Like Guyton and Rouse both being all Big 12 is a feasible bowl prediction, in my opinion. I love the tackles on this team. Um, But, yeah, the guard, I mean, it remains to be seen. And Andrew Rame could be really good. Um, But there's been some questions off the field and, um, you know, just kind of how that's all gonna shake out is gonna be interesting to watch. But at the end of the day, Bill Beatonbow is Bill Beatenbow. You definitely you, you you tend he's one of those guys who has earned kind of, you know, the benefit of the doubt, uh mm-hmm. generally speaking. So yeah, seven point seven five for me uh on the O line. What about you, Tom? Go for it.
2: Yeah, I am kind of falling in between you you guys here at a, about a seven point five is where I'm gonna clock in. Um again, like Josh said that the Tackles you feel really, really good about it's good to have a returning center because you know he's got that rapport already with Dylan Gabriel, so you don't have to worry about you know too many snap issues. Can Can injury take that next step? Um, again, questions at the guard spots, but you know it seems pretty early on that they feel pretty good about Savion Bird emerging as that option at left guard. Um, uh, you know, I think depth is the biggest question here, whether they're going to have those guys behind the guys that they can count on if needed um, because you are going to rotate offense linemen through the game. You're not going to – those guys aren't going to play 85 snaps each. Um, those are big guys. That's a big ask of them. Um, and, and, again, Bill Biedenboe, give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, not a guy that you want to bet against when it comes to developing an offensive line.
1: Exactly, Yep.
2: 100%. So, there you have it. That's our offensive line
0: breakdown. That's five positions down, five to go. I think we'll do linebackers on Thursday. So get uh, get your mind right. Linebackers, a really deep spot. That's Brent Venable's baby. Should get a pretty good score, I think, from us when we get there on Thursday. So that's it for uh, the football portion. We do have a little bit of basketball here on the way out. not going to talk about it real long. Um, Oklahoma made their assistant coach hire yesterday. Um, Clayton Custer, welcome back. I'm sure a lot of fans didn't even know Clayton Custer left, quite frankly. He left. And came back in the same offseason, which is a, a rarity. Um, Clayton Custer, of course, most fans probably know know all about him. He's been on the staff, but he he played at Loyola Chicago under Porter Moser, was on that final four team. Um, you know, Missouri it, Valley
2: Conference player of the year that year.
0: Yeah, really good player. Uh coached under Porter Moser at Loyola Chicago, came over to Oklahoma when Moser took the OU job. And then he just left. I think it was like in April, maybe, to April. go back to Loyola as like a higher ranking assistant. But then Emmanuel Dildy leaves. Port Moser calls him back up, say, "Hey, got a better, got a promotion for you." Essentially, and now he's back. He was gone for like four months. So Clayton Custer's back. Um, any thoughts about this? Like I said, we don't need to talk about it real long. But uh, any thoughts about the hire here for for bringing Custer back into the fold?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it checks the boxes of what Porter told us last week that he was looking for an assistant coach. He wanted a guy who was familiar with his system. Mm-hmm. Check played point guard for him for three years at Loyola Chicago and was very successful. Um, you know, knows how he coaches, knows his style. Check was with him for a season on staff at Will Chicago as, you know, director of player development, then followed him over to Oklahoma where he had that role. And he was director of video operations too. So, you know, and then wanting someone who's going to stick around and, you know, help build this thing for him, you know, Clayton Custer is not a big name coach per se, but, you know, he's up and coming, he's 28 years old, you know, he's relatively young there. Um, so you think that he's a guy that's going to stick around and kind of, you know, get get settled in this coaching industry and, you know, kind of grow with a guy who he is very familiar with over, you know, the last, you know, almost a decade at this point, Um, having played for him, having worked with him, having seen firsthand how he Mm -hmm. approaches things and how he coaches. So it should be a seamless uh, transition, obviously a guy that a lot of these players, at least the returning ones are familiar with, um, the staff's familiar with. So, um, you know, Really seems like it's probably one of the best case scenarios for Porter Moser. I don't think that Clayton Custer is necessarily going to be a guy that gets poached right away, um, just because really young. Yeah, 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 he's young. Um, I don't, I don't think a a comparable Power Five program or major program is going to come take him away right away. Um, Obviously, it it was different, you know, when he left from, you know, a support staff role essentially to an assistant role at Loyola, which is a mid major. But then to come back and have the opportunity to be an assistant coach at a, you know, major college, um, I think is going to be big for him. So, um, yeah, Porter didn't waste any time. Um, You know, it was, what, 10 days less than that Mm -hmm. between Emmanuel Dildy leaving for Duke and filling that role. So, uh, you know, probably best case scenario, like I said, because you still got about 90 days before the season opens. Guy that's familiar with everything. So ready to roll
1: mm mm-hmm. It's the best hard to have at this point, this late in, in, in the process, because you can just plug him right back in. Obviously, it just looks, sounds like a guy that just wanted a bigger role on a coaching staff. I mean, he's either going to be at Loyola Chicago or Oklahoma. So giving him that opportunity to come back and now get a chance to be, you know, the guy that does more for this staff, does more for the players, something that sounds like he was wanting. And now uh, Porter Moja had that, had that opportunity to give it to him. So an Ambitious guy like that, you know, it's got to work out well. It's got to work out well because you got somebody that's really trying harder uh, to prove themselves and, and to prove that this team could be better.
0: Yeah, I like it. I mean, what do we talk about? You know, when Manuel Dilde left, there has been zero goose egg continuity uh, on the roster, on the coaching staff. Support Moser took over. That's not all his fault, obviously, but that's just the way it's been. Um, and so you bring Custer back, it kind of restores a little bit of continuity. Somebody who actually has been around, um, he'll have been literally the only guy. Now, granted, he's been gone the last four months, but he won't have missed a season. He'll be the only guy, mm-hmm. period, outside of Porter Moser, player, coach, whatever, that will have been with this team from the time Moser got hired to now. You know what I mean? So that helps. I mean, that that's nice. And you, like Tom said, you don't have to catch him up. He knows the system he played in. He's coached with it for several seasons now because he goes back to Loyola, so – yeah, I think it makes a ton of sense. And, uh, you know, good on uh, Porter, able to lure him back uh, to Norman. So good, good, good get. I mean, you know, obviously, could you have done something a little more splashy, I guess? Sure. But I like the continuity uh, aspect more than than bringing something in brand new. So nice hire for Oklahoma there. I agree. I think that's it. So we had a, a little bit of a shorter show, not too much, but um, – Continuing to roll through fall camp here. Um, like we said, we have interviews coming up just here in a little bit. That's why I recorded early. So we're going to go down Norman for those. And we're going to have Colin on, on Thursday's show. Talk about all the ways recruitment. Obviously, they picked up a commitment um, just last, uh, whatever day that was. Josh Isosa committed from Edmund Santa Fe. We're going to break that down more on Thursday's show, as well as talk about Jaden Nickens' impending commitment this weekend. Also, that Caden Durham guy is committing this week as well. We'll figure out uh, what's going to go on with that whenever that decision comes down as well. So a lot to talk about with Colin on Thursday. So we'll be looking out for that. And, of course, we'll continue to do break down the latest from fall camp. And We're going to do our breakdown on the linebackers on Thursday as well. So a good show coming for you up uh, later this week. That's it for us. Appreciate you tuning in. Again, subscribe to the YouTube. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you like to listen. Leave us a rating, all that good stuff. We'll be back on Thursday. And continue to keep up with Oklahoma oklahoma.247sports.com for all the layers from fall camp. There's been a ton coming out so far, and uh, we've just we've only just begun. Uh, a lot more to come throughout the rest of the month. That's it. We'll see you on Thursday. For Tom Green and James Jackson, I'm Josh Calloway. We'll catch you next time right here on the Sooners Illustrated podcast.
1: See you.